the Mindset Game podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. And on today's show, I've got Dr. Emma Kirk. So welcome on the show, Emma. Hi. Uh, can you give a brief introduction to who you are and what you do? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I did a, a degree in osteopathic medicine, so physical medicine. Um, and then I did a doctorate in osteomyology, which was a continuation along the same theme. Um, I qualified post-grad in nutrition, clinical nutrition, and that was mainly due to experiences that I'd gone through and me trying to find a way of, of um, battling my way through it and taking a bit of control. So I turned it into a, a career add-on. <laughs> and can you kind of give a kind of insight into those degrees as probably the listeners and both myself probably don't know what those terms are. Okay, well, osteopathic medicine is a combination of your general medicine, where you're learning about the pharmaceutical combinations of drugs and how they affect in the body and how, how they're used. But instead of actually prescribing them, what you're looking at is how the body's capability can be accessed to maybe rectify some of those problems within itself. And obviously what you're looking to do is drive the body towards optimum function. Mm -hmm. So if somebody comes in with a problem with their neck, for example, if they've had a direct trauma to the neck, then obviously you can isolate that injury. But if it's something like a, a long-term postural development issue or how they're sitting at work or you know maybe driving the car or sitting at the settee, something watching television, if it's something that's built up over a long time, you're looking at where has that come from? And then trying to correct the body and realign things so that the the body can then accept that a little bit easier, and you're redirecting the whole the whole of the posture. So I wouldn't just concentrate on the neck in that case. Obviously, I can do like um, sports injuries, things like that. But I'm trying to combine it with what what the best type of treatments for that personal personal's you know that person's kind of situation for their lifestyle. Is it just a treatment plan from myself? Does it involve exercise rehabilitation? Do we need to look at their diet? If they've come in with, say, um, some kind of arthritis, can I can I change their diet to help affect that? You know, so it's a multitude of, of facets that come together. Um, so it's a quite it's not it's not a one science really. It's more of a a combined product. Okay, that's quite that's quite interesting that you bring up. And then in terms of the catalyst that kind of got you into wanting to study that in the first place. What what was that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I did my I did my, a little bit of history. Did my A levels um, not particularly diligently. I have to say, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, and um, and I I decided that I was going to sack off going to uni because I didn't know where I was going, what to do. So I went to work at Thomas Cook's as a travel agent. <laughs> don't do it. It's terrible. The pay is horrific and you don't get free holidays. I thought I would, but you don't. Um, and during that time, two things happened. My dad had been diagnosed with MS, multiple cirrhosis, and he went through a flare-up and couldn't get any treatment from anywhere. There were no meds that they were giving him other than steroids in, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then physiotherapists wouldn't touch him because they didn't want to treat him during a during a flare up. So he was really struggling. 
Um, and I enjoyed the science and I enjoyed medicine, but I wanted to be able to maybe help my dad. And I started looking into that kind of avenue so that I was combining the, the knowledge of medicine, but with something that was a bit more practical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then my brother, my, my, I'm going to say little brother, but he's not little, he's massive. <laughs> he wanted to play professional rugby. And at the time he was, he was at a lower level. And as you know, as you know yourself, as you're building your way up through the, the ranks in, in any kind of sport, the lower down you are, the, the, the less money there is to be spending on luxuries like, you know, a full-time medical team. So I thought, well, if I can do something that can combine the two, then not only am I doing something that I'm possibly going to be enjoying, but I'm also going to be helping my family achieve, you know, maybe a better quality of life and and their own goals, which was which was what I did. And that's how I arrived at that particular degree. So I didn't want to be a physiotherapist because I thought, if I do that, then obviously I can't treat my dad. So I need something different. Uh, and that's how, that's how I ended up going to London to do the only course in the country. Having, having said, I would never leave Yorkshire. <laughs> I was like, yay, look, I'm going to London. So yeah, so that's, what I, that's how I arrived at that kind of that, that degree. And, I, and within two, two weeks of starting it, I knew I was in the right place. I absolutely loved it. It was, uh, it was definitely my kind of thing. And when you when you say your brother played rugby, which form was it? Because obviously uh, you're in Yorkshire Union or League. Oh, he played. He played. Well, he he did play both actually. At various points in his his career, he has played both Union and and League. But he played professionally for for League, for a League team that I'm not mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> but anybody who knows me will know who he is, so they know who he plays for. But yeah, just in case there's anyone, I don't want to offend people. <laughs> <laughs> and and then in terms of uh kind of it's kind of a sidetrack question but okay in terms of uh i was reading uh an article and then also published a blog in terms of um it's actually your medication that can have an impact on your diet how true is that and is it Kind what of, do you mean? Do you mean that the, the the medication makes you eat a certain way? Um, no, no, as in would make possibly put put weight on, and I know I know that's the case with oh. steroids. But yeah. uh, are there kind of ways around that to obviously lose weight? But obviously, in certain cases, people can't come off the medication for health reasons. Is there ways yeah. around it that you um, could still get into? A, better health there are, there are certain certain medications that do put you know increase the the weight that you can put on but i don't know that it's solely down to the to the medication itself i mean when i was on a steroid i put a lot of weight on but my diet was terrible at the same time because i was depressed you know i'd gone from being able to when i had my car accident i'd gone from being able to run around and function and then i couldn't i couldn't do that i was you know at best walking with crutches and so the the weight gain was a combination of me eating because I was comfort comfort eating and obviously I was on steroids as well um I have patients who have got you know various different conditions that when they go on the steroids there is a marked increase in the weight and they don't maybe change their diet at all but I think that I think you can affect it you know your diet 
and to, to bring the weight and maybe a bit more under control, but it's inevitable you're going to put some weight on, I think, with some of these medications. So is there a case that the medications have, to some extent, demonised them? <laughs> demonised? Um, if you need the... If you need the medication, you need the medication. You know, I've got a friend who who's on steroids at the minute. She hates being on them because she doesn't like the side effect, but she has no alternative. So, so in her situation, there isn't much she can she can do other than carry on with the meds. You know, I I came off them. I I came off my medication by changing my diet and controlling my pain with by you know you know with changing what I was eating. Um, but that was that was my. I didn't want to be on the medication because of the side effects that it was giving me. I was living in a bubble. I didn't really know, you know, what was happening. And most of the time, I probably shouldn't have been driving a car. So I didn't. I didn't want to be living my life like that at that point. So it was. They were, if you want to say demonized, they were to me. They were the, the demon. And I and that, and it was giving me no control, so I wanted to to shelve that. It depends. I don't think that you could have a, a a situation. You know, I don't think you could have a social environment that didn't need medication to one to a degree. You know, I don't think you could get away with it and just use food. I think that's a, a ridiculous. If people think that, I think it's a ridiculous connotation. But I do think that people can change how their bodies are working by changing by changing their food and their nutrition. There's an awful lot as well with the placebo side of it. You know, when people say, "Oh, I've you know I've changed to this diet because it's going to make me better," that they they believe that it's going to make them better. Now we know that placebos have a massive effect when we're looking into research. You know, you can have and a medication and then the control group on the placebo has just the same results as the people who are on the medication so we know placebo and the power of the mind is is there so if they believe that the, this new diet that they're doing is working and will make them better why why does you know how how can we say that it won't there is every possibility that that is going to make a difference because they believe it's going to make a difference so does it come back to the case in point that um, in terms of exercise and both nutrition that people should concentrate more on the mental side of it to solve a habitual problem um, I think that problems are you know I don't think a problem is either physical or mental I think there's always an element of both um, you know, if you look at somebody who has uh, depression, for example, you know, they have a clear medical, no, it's, it's classed as a medical mental health issue. But physically, you know, if they do exercise, we know that they feel better. The difficult, the difficult situation is, is that if you, if you feel depressed, the last thing you want to do is exercise. So they are married together. If you can get them into a gym and you can change their diet, then they feel better and then it self-perpetuates. So I think I don't think that you can split the two up. I don't I think there's always a mental issue um or a or a an attitude that you need to address at the same time. So when I'm working with my patients, you know, they they might not want to do any exercise, 
but in you know the expl explanation to them is in order for them to progress they see me for half an hour for a treatment the rest of the week it's in their control so they have to help me to help them mm -hmm. and if that means that they have to do some exercises on a daily basis once they start feeling the benefit then obviously they're more inclined to do it um but wouldn't it come back to what well, what would you do then if the person was not comfortable in the gym environment then what would you get I, I give them home exercise I, I, I always do that <laughs> I exercise at home myself now obviously the exercise I'm doing <clears throat> is a completely different level in my garage because I have you know a, an Olympic bar and a squat rack and <clears throat> but you can do it you, you, there's plenty of things you can do at home you know, and then if you if you really, really, really still don't want to go into a gym, you know, you just have to maybe purchase some some equipment in your own home environment. It, it's it's possible to do that. I've got quite a few ladies who don't want to go in a gym. <clears throat> the gym that I work at in Huddersfield, you know, it's a, it's a it's renowned for being a bodybuilding gym. There's a lot of heavy duty stuff in there, and it's one of the friendliest environments I've ever been in. And if I get them in there then you know they they do enjoy it and they come back and they they find it a nice place to tr to train but it's that intimidation factor before they go in so yeah i'll give them stuff to do at home but does that not come down to person's either self confidence or like you say the intimidation of that environment <laughs> something 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 new yeah yeah completely self confidence is a massive thing you know um I'm not, I, I've struggled with that myself, but I have, I have ladies who, who feel so bad within themselves that they, that they won't go and exercise in a gym where people can see them. So definitely self-confidence comes into it. Yeah. And um, what are kind of your tips for improving self-confidence? I know that's quite <laughs> a, a, a large spectrum that it could be. There are. Um, it depends, obviously, where the self-confidence issue is coming from. If you've had an experience that might need addressing with counselling or some kind of therapy, then obviously that needs to be addressed. If you're struggling with a, a self-image problem that's, that's newly arisen, and it may be because you've put, put some weight on or you've maybe struggled with weight or you don't like something about your body, you know, there are things that you can do to, to try and I, I try it with my with my patients you know take a photo or that, that you've got of yourself that you really like and then keep that handy and every time you feel low you, you look at that picture and just reaffirm to yourself what it is you like about the picture rather than focusing on the negatives that you don't like about yourself that you know and then like make a list set all the things that you don't like about yourself and then for every comment you've made, you put something positive you do like about yourself. And then you write out all those positives and you stick them all over your computer, wherever you work, at home, on your mirror. So that again, you're reaffirming the positives. Um, and if it's a thing, if it's because you're looking at social media pictures of people who are perfect with these idyllic bodies all over the place which is a problem because a lot of the women and and, and guys as well they you know they're looking at these 
perfectly chiselled people. And I just, and I found the other day, someone actually showed me, you know, there's a filter mm -hmm. on, on, is it Snapchat? That chisels your face down and makes you look like, like you've got abs and stuff. I couldn't believe it. I'd never seen it before. <laughs> I mean, but anyway, so if you're looking at these perfect images the whole time, you know, and you're comparing yourself, then you kind of creating that negativity within your own headspace. So stop looking at those pictures and look at positive images of people who you admire for different reasons. And that could be because they're, you know, a great role, sporting role model, or if they're somebody who, you know, maybe is doing some great work in, in politics or whatever it is that you find inspirational. And you look at those photos and do that for 90 days. And I can tell you, when you go back to the others, you'll see the flaws in the other people. But that's a longer process. And with anything like that, it has to be a continued thing. Because if you if you allow the negative thoughts to come back in, it, it will spiral into negativity again. So yeah, it's a difficult, it's difficult, but it does I have tried it, I try it myself and I have tried it with my patients as well. And again, like I was saying, you know, if somebody comes in um to see me, then we will look at that side of it as well as the physical and the food and everything. You know, the mental stuff, stuff is, we do work on that. I'm not a counsellor, but I know counsellors I can work with. And I know enough kind of tips that have helped me that, that, that work quite well for other people as well. But in terms of um, looking at what, what quote unquote, what is perfection on <laughs> social media, is it a case of, to some degree, TV and the media at large is responsible for that kind of attitude and, yeah. and people's outlook to that? Yeah, I mean, they're putting these images in front of us, aren't they? You know, they're, you're looking at a paper or a magazine and the, the images are exactly the same. It, it, it's put there for us. And it does, it does create an issue. It does create an issue because we're not all going to look like that. Genetically, we're not going to look like that. We're not all going to look like a supermodel if that's what your desire is to look like. You know, I, my, I, there's somebody who, who um, I don't know if you know a girl called Alex Larkin. She's um, Miss Nabba Universe toned figure and she's stunning, absolutely stunning. But if I looked at her and I wanted to, I was trying to emulate her within my own body it would be crazy because she's a lot smaller than me her muscle structure is a lot different her genetics are a lot different and she might think that I look good but you know you, it's, it's what you put what's put in front of you is what you have to to compare to but does that come back to um not really human genetics but the human psyche that as always comparing and contrasting what do you think compared do you think we do you think we compared ourselves when we were cave people <laughs> i'm not sure we've always compared Poss possibly but that's probably in a different although i may have looked at somebody and gone wow they can run after that dinosaur faster than me <laughs> they're gonna eat steak tonight <laughs> do you know i don't i don't know that we've always done it I'm not sure whether it's worse now than it was. I can only go on on what I'm experiencing, um, and I'm experiencing this this 
is new. I mean, I'm 40 years old this year. And in my personal lifetime, you know, the, the images that are put in front of us are completely different. I mean, even down to things like, you know, in the, in the newspapers, the images of, of women compared to men in sport, you know, it's a lot, lot smaller of a percentage of women who are featured in newspapers for any kind of sporting achievement compared to men. You know, but that, like you say, that's the, me that's the, the media that's putting that in there. They, if, if they're giving us images of what the ideal woman looks like, you know, or the ideal man looks like, then obviously, you know, that's what we're going to aspire to because they're telling us that's what we should look like. But I'm, I'm not entirely sure that that's how we should be directing people. But would that only get worse with obviously the easy access to the likes of um, the internet and yeah. YouTube and things like that and people yeah. being able to portray their, not their beliefs, but what has worked for them and saying this will work for everybody, which is not the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, definitely. We have more access, definitely. You know, at one point we only had, a, you know, newspapers, then we had television. Now we have Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, the, the web. We have so many different mediums of access to information, which is great, and access to things that can be, can be negative. It's not all negative. Don't get me wrong. It's not all negative. And then people can look at, at somebody and use that as an inspirational tool. You know, I'm going to try and better myself because I, I want to have that. I want to be like that. Or I want to be the best I can be because I admire that person for doing that. It, it can be positive. But there is an awful lot that... And I guess because I'm seeing people who are coming in because they want to change things, they are the people who are on the more negative end of the spectrum. You know, I don't very often get somebody coming in to see me saying, you know, I feel fabulous about myself, um, so I've come to see you. <laughs> that doesn't happen. You know, people want to change something, which is why they're there. So I, my access to the information is people who are on that negative end of the spectrum. So, com so it may be skewed, but I know an awful lot of people through social media who have had problems themselves with with body image, with self confidence, you know, eating disorders. You know, I, I've met a lot of people, guys and girls, who are struggling with those those issues, and it's daily that I see it. Well, it probably comes back to that that issue that people kind of put up a a wall to some extent to to kind of not show their their flaws. And, oh, when did I see this? I think it was a video on Facebook, I think it was yesterday, in terms of, obviously, what we were talking about, about the uh, social media showing perfection. But in reality, most of the time, those individuals don't look like that 365 <laughs> days a year. And yeah. in some cases, the picture can be not distorted, but manipulated to obviously look, to make them look better than they actually do. But then in all reality, I don't know, having a six pack and being that lean mm -hmm. all year round is, 
And it's something I brought up with uh, Mario Tomic, who, who I had on a few months ago, uh, was talking about the actually the negative side of being that low in, in body percentage. Is obviously, yeah. you're cold. Yeah. In the warmer in the summer months, the other stress is that 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 it brings obviously um, from your mood, like mood swings and things like mm-hmm. that. So it's what actual impact that can have on your Phys- physical and mental health. Yeah, and obviously yeah. how that portrays to other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... I, I I've seen I have a lot of friends who are competitive bodybuilders, and obviously quite you know some patients as well, and they they don't look like they're all year round. I have a lot of admiration for people who are willing to post a picture of themselves off season as much as they're willing to post on season. You know the people who who only post those on season filtered pictures, I, I don't think are doing themselves or anybody else any favors really. I, I want I I think. The more real they are, the more of a real image that people are going to have to aspire to. You know, if I see my friend, my friend Nikki, she's great for it. She posts pictures of herself off season, and she, and that's a brilliant thing to do because she's she looks amazing when she's on stage. But if I'm only seeing pictures of her looking amazing on stage, I'm gonna. Th- like you said, I'm going to think that that's what I'm supposed to look like all year round, and I might try to achieve that. But when I see pictures of her off season, you know that makes me feel a little bit happier <laughs> about myself. No, I'm joking. No, I think it's just it's for people who follow her, it's realistic, you know. And she's portraying that exactly like you said. She, this is not. I do not look like this all year round. It's not healthy for me to be like this all year round. Hence, this is what I look like at the moment in my prep to to this competition you know but that's that's that particular um you know sport of bodybuilding people like the end result they've worked for the end result it's that moment on the stage when they are at their lean list at their most conditioned you know that that's the that's the point that they've worked towards and when you're looking at pictures of that that's what people want to emulate you know if you are in a different sport, for example, um, like if you want to be a rugby player or you want to pl- be like a, I don't know, a tennis player or whatever sport you want, you know, it's it's not the same image that's projected. It's a, it's an attainment of a trophy, which which it doesn't go alongside with your aesthetics. So I think that's it's a very strange and unique sport in that way because it is very aesthetically driven. But is is it that sport that's to blame to a certain extent and that people want no. to... I think the people in the sport understand the sport. I think it's people who are looking at the sport that don't understand what goes on, which is why when people post off-season and on-season pictures, that helps, and it helps people to understand the process. You know, it's a very complicated process, and a very, and, a, and it's a very... A fascinating science of how they get to that particular condition but when you're just looking at pictures of it the understanding and the knowledge of what's gone into that isn't there so 
yeah, I don't think it's the sport itself. I love the sport. I think it's great. I find it so fascinating. And I, and I love being able to see, in my, for, for me, anatomy coming to life because that is the nearest I get to seeing my anatomy book walking around on a stage <laughs> because they are so lean and so conditioned. You can see all of the fibres on, you know, on, in the muscles. For me, it's just, I, 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 love, I love that side of it. And I love the process of them getting to that. I find the whole, the whole science of it is so fascinating and, and how people's bodies react to different things. But that's the other thing, isn't it? You know, what works for one person is not necessarily going to work for somebody else. We're not replications of, of one thing. So no, I don't, I don't think it's the sport. Um, I disagree a little bit from a sporting perspective. It's uh, their dedication to obviously getting from, well, eight, well, the simple term A to B, but it's a bit more complicated than that. Uh, in terms of obviously being engrossed in training, I can I can see the similarities between bodybuilding and say the likes of well the the other elite sports that obviously are more absolutely no. It is. It, it's definitely in the dedications there. What I meant is, I don't think it's the sport's fault that the images are, are, are being created. You know, creating this negativity okay. for people. I I think that you know they're very very dedicated. They're f f in fact probably more dedicated than a lot of people in a lot of other sports. You know, because they literally live and breathe it. It's not a. It's not a sport. It's a, it's their way of life. They don't. You know, they don't do anything else. They weigh everything. Everything's about centimetres, you know. The, it's it's so calculated. And it literally is the every waking moment and even every sleeping moment because the sleeping is so important. You know, they, so, yeah, they're very, very dedicated. And I think if you understand that and you know you've got all that knowledge, then I think you can, A, admire them, but B, it can be an aspiration and you, can, you they're very very inspirational people to have that amount of dedication and it's not for everybody you know not everybody can can handle doing that and not everyone wants to live like that but they but it's they can be you know very inspirational if you if you want that sort of lifestyle yourself but but the fleeting moment on the stage i think a lot i get a lot of people commenting you know on pictures that i read and i think you know they they're just taking that one moment and they're commenting on that one moment. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and to kind of move on to my uh, next question mm -hmm. and kind of link it between the two, um, how did the state of mind sport come about? How did that come about? Yeah. Um, you mean for me to be involved? Yes. With them? Um, well, my obviously, you know, I'd been with Ian um, and his rugby and I'd seen him have injuries and the depression that went alongside with that. Um, I'd had a couple of, of friends who I'd met who had been injured during a rugby um, playing a game. And um, and there were a few people who, I, who I'd been in contact with that had um, unfortunately taken their own lives. And I, I kind of realised the massive impact that 
not necessarily even failing at a sport, but being told you can't do the sport because you've, you know, you've had an injury that's going to take you out of, of, that, of that sport. You know, you kind of suddenly lose everything and, and the hope and the hope kind of, you know, goes with it. And I really decided that it was something that was important in, in the world of sport. And I didn't think that it was being covered enough. Um, and when a, a chap called Jimmy Gittins, who had had a C-spine fracture, um, he was quadriplegic and he, he has managed to get movement back. You know, the guy the guy's you know, worked at constantly to to achieve walking and, and, you know, and he started this and said, did I want, you know, he wanted me to get involved because obviously I'd had my own car accident and I'd had my own battles as well and I'd been told I couldn't do things. Um, I knew how that had affected me, but we've, but it's branched. It's got, it's got further. It's not just in rugby. It started just in, rug, in rugby league and it's now hitting other sports um which is fantastic and um and even you know the armed forces um it's quite an emotive subject but basically people go we go and present to um to people if they want to listen to to how each presenters dealt with their depression and, and anxiety stress or or what they've done in in their situation um Right, so rather than it being us, we're not counsellors, we don't go in to counsel people, we just talk about our own experience, our own journey, and hopefully people can take something away from from that, um, you know, from that presentation and, and maybe use it themselves or be able to recognise in somebody that may be struggling, you know, some symptoms, because we go through symptoms and, you know, what people might not be talking about, but, but they're displaying. So, yeah, it was... It's come from sort of a sporting background, um, but obviously I had my own personal issues that had had put me in a similar situation, um, and I just I just wanted to help, really, simple as that. And what are kind of some of the warning signs for somebody that's going kind of well spiraling out of control, so to speak. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure there's many spirals, but um, yeah, they, they, people become like less. If you're in a relationship, they can become less interested in in having a sexual relationship with you. Um, you know, they don't want to go out. Socializing decreases. They maybe don't want to get out of bed. They're sleeping more. Um, you know, they're just their the personality might change. They become stressed in in a certain in situations that you before they were they were fine in. Um, and becoming a little bit reclusive, you know, the food habits might change. They don't want to eat. Maybe they want to eat. They're eating more. You know, there's all sorts of signs that that will be will be apparent. Um, but obviously, again, everybody deals with this in a different way. So it's a quite broad thing. Um, but basically, if you're looking for changes in someone's personality or changes in their habits, you know, that might be a clue that there's something going on. And it's quite easy to just say, you know, are you okay? Is there something, do you want to talk about anything? But we don't very, very often do that, I think. I think, you know, we sometimes it's easy to get wrapped up in in our own stuff. And we might not see, we might not necessarily see see that happening to somebody else. But isn't it a case a lot with, with men, they like to put up this bravado that oh, it's... It, 
you may see that I'll use me as an example that mm-hmm. I've got the, that the problem, but I'll say that everything's all right when it actually isn't. Of course, I'm the same. You can ask me a million times if I'm okay, and I'm the answer is yes, because that's how I deal with it. But you know that that tends to be more with men. I agree. Um, there are new age. I think. I think. Do we call them new age men or something now? You know, who are more open and talk about the feelings a little bit easier. But I think that's why we came up with the the idea of going through the sport, because you know, if you if you're talking to a, a, I'm going to use a, a, a an example a minor, an ex minor in Castleford who's maybe lost his job. You know, that guy is tough. He's he's got like you say that that wall that barrier. He's not supposed to be weak. He's he's got this idea in his head about what a man is supposed to be like, and and yet he's struggling because you know maybe he's out of work and he's he's not himself. So if you're coming through a rugby league to access that chap, then when you've got ex players who he has admired, and and you've got people who are coming from, you know, through a sporting angle, it makes it easier. And yeah, you're not gonna you you can't access everybody. This is not a foolproof scheme, mm-hmm. but it, it help it does help to access people who perhaps wouldn't be talking on, under other situations. It does help break down some barriers, you know. Some of these some of these rugby play, these these players who have got involved, they, I mean they they they're hero they're stoical heroes to, to to a lot of the community. And when they open up and say, "Look, this happened to me." And and this is what this is how it you know I ended up dealing with it, but I nearly took my own life. You know that that's powerful in itself. And then the guy sat there thinks actually if he can he can be open about it, maybe I should talk. But it does. I mean, like I said, it's not always foolproof, but it does have good statistics, and we do have people saying, you know, it's it, it's helped them, and they've and they've sought help on the back of listening to a presentation or or turning up to a game where we've had a you know a tent for people to come and pick up information so yeah it's 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 an attempt attempt to try and break down some of those barriers definitely does it come back to some in some cases uh that obviously the elite sports person is to the outside world indestructible in some cases <laughs> yeah when in all reality we're they're superheroes aren't they you know the elite sports people to people like me who are normal the, you, the superheroes these are these are amazing athletes and you know yeah that's that's the image you get i mean when i was a kid and i was watching these guys on tv and and you know they're and like you said they're they're elite athletes they're indestructible they're they're ama- amazing people, um, and they and they become hero like, and then if you and then when you meet, when you meet them, you realise actually they're actually just normal people, but they've they've had this opportunity to do what they love in their life, and and it is they they are literally you know they're hero worshipped of course they are, and I've got I've got people who I I think like that through all all different sports. Because they're they're amazing, and to do what they do and the dedication and and you know that I just I just think that's incredible in itself. But yeah, it does then create that 
kind of um, that person that all yeah almost like a superhero personality I'm going to call it that and which which elevates them to us to a pedestal status in that person's mind um it doesn't necessarily mean that they feel like it themselves mm -hmm. but it definitely puts them on that on that 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 pedestal and I think when you've got somebody who is there and they then say something or come out and say something that makes it so much more powerful because they're in a position where people are looking to them because of that you know and then they can they can be so useful because they've they're reaching a lot of people but they're also affecting a lot of people will listen to them they're affecting a lot of people as well so you're a superhero <laughs> no that's 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 one in terms of questions i've been asked down the years that i don't like because it's like have you met so so and so yes what's he like well, from my personal opinion, he's just a human being. Yeah. That's very, like like you said, they're good at what they've achieved. I don't think uh, any more than, well, any more of myself when I was an athlete than somebody else, but that's probably comes back to how I was brought up and things like that. I don't... But do you find that people are looking at, at they, they must look at you in the same way that I'm describing, you know? You are on that pedestal. You are. You, you've become somebody's hero, haven't you? Yeah, but I don't like it in some cases. <laughs> especially from, especially from a media perspective in sport, That's the, they love to big, big, just big people up and then knock them down. So, it's... Course, but I think they like to do that in lots of things. But unfortunately, you know that comes with the territory. You've achieved what you've achieved, and you've become somebody's superhero. You know, I, I mean, I, it's just how it is, <laughs> unfortunately. But then you, you, you're using that as a platform, I think, as well, a very good platform to access people, which is, which again, it puts you on, in my mind, a massive inspiration to people because you're using, you know, that, that, not power, but, you know, that, that position that you've got of superhero-ness <laughs> and you're, you're using it for, for good. Well, it's kind of like you, well, not, it's not really an influence, but it's it is your... You are influencing. Yeah, of course you are. You've got more, people are going to listen to you more than they'd listen to somebody somebody else because of who, of who you are and what you've done. You know, you are a superhero, so people will listen. And kind of tying them <laughs> into the last question. Well, it's probably one that... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you. No, I'm not embarrassed. <laughs> no, I'm 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 kinda it's kind of a two two shapes of a coin. I don't like bigging myself up. Yeah. But I don't mind other people doing it. Okay. <laughs> so it's okay. kinda it's kind of a weird one. It's it's, it's uh, I'm a humble individual. But you kinda get a kick out of it or uh, yeah. Such and such has done X, Y, Z. It's like, yeah, cheers. <laughs> but, but no, I don't. People say, oh, it's a marvelous achievement. It's like, well, yeah, it is. But it's not the. It's not. 
how they put it, the make or break is not going to impact on somebody else. I probably do more good now as obviously what I do in the personal training field now than what I did as an athlete from my perspective, but then somebody else might disagree with that. You, mm-hmm. Like you say, with the motivational uh, point of views, they might have seen me more as influential than as to now, but it's one of the, it's one of those things. It's you can't win either way. It's probably I'll hop back. So this is what I did in the in the past. Uh, questions I get asked, uh, especially like with nutrition. Uh, what was your nutrition like as an athlete? <laughs> No different. It's no different than it is now. Maybe a few things here and there. Like you raised off air with um, people's diets in the rugby communities. In some cases, they don't put on weight uh, after preseason, but that comes back to genetics and things like that. Yeah. And you were saying, we were saying that uh, you could eat. Well, it's quote unquote junk to a certain extent. Uh, <laughs> when you're very, very active, but when you stop, your body's obviously not going to respond very well to that eating. So it's it's a case of, in all reality, my diet de- my diet was probably predominantly very good, but then as an athlete, food is kind of not seen from that culinary aspect that it is probably a little bit more so now. I see it now. Yeah, because it's just fuel, isn't it? It's fuel. So um, to kind of wrap up my point, what I was raising there, it's probably the quantity that's changed, and that's, that's it from obviously when I was a child to those 10 years... Okay, throughout life, life, the quantities change. Obviously, I'm a grow, was was a growing individual. To obviously go into sport where you're, if I put one sport in perspective, uh, when I was rowing, I was training in the lead up to the Beijing Paralympics. It was about thirty hours a week. So obviously, what that training incorporates and how much food I have to actually eat. I wouldn't want to have to guess in terms of calories, macros, as to what it was. It was just eat here, eat here, eat here, <laughs> eat. I think I was probably four or five times a day, but it's more of a necessity. Yeah. Just to um, to well survive to a certain extent and recover in another. And to produce the performances that you pulled out as well. You know, you've got to eat to, to, to achieve that, haven't you? Oh, yeah, but at that level, you've got different aspects of what can affect the performance. It's not just um, nutrition, training, uh, sleep would be a big one. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, that 1% up, upstairs is a, is, a, is a massive one in terms of that 1% difference between winning and losing. And then... Um, I wouldn't. I don't. Well, I wouldn't like to say it's probably. It wasn't my 
forte to some extent the the mental aspect I probably have got better over time. I probably learned a lot from those experiences of the ten years in sport uh the sports science and probably since I've retired it's kind of putting things into context of what I've done this then what would happen but then you can't change the, you can't change the past it's it's it's, no. it's 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 set in stone so i i have i've got to the realization that okay i didn't end well my career didn't end like i wanted to when i started out but it's not the end of the world so i've why, what happened, why, why didn't it end how you wanted it to end? What? What from a mental standpoint? Uh, because I had that you know, obviously that, that that nice little thing at the top of the top of the hill of uh, winning a gold medal, but then that's not realistic. I won't say not realistic. It's not achievable for everybody. Otherwise, it would be something very easy to do. So I kind of look at it. Okay, it was a goal of mine. I didn't achieve it. But I won't let that define me as a person. Okay, it's it didn't happen. I know loads of individuals who've not gone on to medal. It's not okay. From a in all reality, from a business perspective, it probably would have helped. But <laughs> coming back to the kind of a business point, it's not what you're selling that people want. It's you as an individual. Would me winning a gold medal change my Personality, possibly, but we'll never know, because I could be mm, trying to be not too bad here. Um, <laughs> might have made me more of a self-centered individual. But most people, sports people are anyway, because obviously they've got to be quite. Um, Focused. focused on themselves to get to that that outcome of getting higher up the ladder so would it would a medal made me worse in that case mm, i don't know i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't like to i wouldn't like to know Poss- possibly possibly not but it's it's one it's one of those things from a psychological standpoint of view what it's kind of those different avenues. If you go down this road, well, what would what the outcome be? But it's kind of a fork in the road. I've kind of had difficult, diff- different obstacles put in my way throughout life, and it's kind of put me to where I am now. So it's if you change one of those, it changes you as an individual. So it's kind of you got to accept it to some degree because you take a different path it's going to shape a different outlook on your on your, well your present and future and, and obviously if you change it it'd be some to some degree the past so it's not regretting those decisions i don't regret i probably did when i decided to call time it's like well 
I didn't achieve everything I set out to do in sport. But once I let it settle down, I'm quite happy with what I achieved. I kind of, because people say, well, what did you achieve in sports? Like, I think it's about two, two if not three page document of achievements. So it's like, well. That's pretty impressive. It's, it's pretty good. So I couldn't. Because I think when I get asked from that perspective, I couldn't. I couldn't name. I'd have to get. The, I'd have to get a piece of paper out and like. <laughs> hey, this is what I've achieved because I had to do it for somebody in local government around here. To oh gosh, I can't remember what it, when context it was to what I'd done. I'm gonna have to put it on paper because I, I couldn't tell you. It's just, it's just it's just too much. But then putting it in. Uh, just puts it in perspective. Yeah. As to, I've not had a a bad life. So, mm-hmm. so kind of coming back to my last question for you now. Um, what brought about um, bringing out this this book that you released on uh, food health related to stress and anxiety resistance? Well, State of Mind is a charity, so they needed some funds, um, and I thought, well, from a nutritional point of view, I can maybe put together some information and some recipes that might help people who are feeling the symptoms, the side effects, uh, or you know, of medication, or the feeling the symptoms of depression, stress, anxiety, and then they can take a little bit of ownership and give them it gives them empowerment to make those changes at home themselves so they feel a bit more in control and and I put put the information together and and obviously made some recipes using the the various foods and then the money and the proceeds went to um state of mind but how can foods actually help with anxiety and stress well i'm not going to be stupid enough to say that they're going to cure it because I I don't think that that's possible, but they can definitely have an effect. I, you know, I've seen I've I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in people who've done you know taken taken foods out and and again, it's not the same for everybody. There's not a blanket remove this from your diet. It might be that what affects me doesn't affect somebody else. So there's a little bit of trial and error, but. There are things that can boost your your mood and boost your libido, and you know they don't call the they don't call the avocado the testicle tree tree for nothing. You know it, it's it's not just because it looks like that. It's because it you know they believe it has an effect on on sexual libido. Now, if you are suffering with a, a low self esteem and and depression, if you can boost that and you can have an impact on your how you feel and your relationship, you know, that, that helps. But, but it isn't, it's, it isn't a cut and dry one size fits all. You know, the, the, it's a book that you can take information from and, and maybe try something or, you know, add, add something or some spice to some of the spices to your food. And, and if you feel that you're, you're making a positive change, that has a positive impact as well. So it's not, it's not a cure, and obviously, you know, I'd, I'd be crazy to be telling people it was, 
but you know if you've got a salmon and you, and you don't eat salmon normally but then you add salmon to your diet the high level of omegas that you've got in salmon we know that there is an effect on the mental mental um, capability and the activity we know that so it's not a bad thing to include that in your diet but it doesn't necessarily mean that in the, the day you eat salmon you're going to not have depression okay and uh, well everybody well I won't say everybody knows but there's <laughs> that notion of obviously more so in women than men obviously with the oh what's the word I want uh Obviously, when they feel... It's not depressed, but obviously, you know, stress, anxiety, uh, feeling down, they turn to, obviously, comfort foods. Mm, yeah. So they, what, what, are they, they're doing that because it makes them feel better? It's only temporary. Yeah, but why, why, why is that mental state uh, the case? Well, I can't answer that question. <laughs> I have no I have no idea. Um I think it's I think that's a habitual association because we have this thing about instant gratification and you know when you when you're a kid and you're given a treat it's something nice and it makes you feel better because you've done something good you know that comes in the form of something you wouldn't normally have. Um so then you have a, a a situation where you feel down or self self-esteem's low or you're feeling you know some sort of depression so you have the treat to kind of replicate that it doesn't mean that that is the right thing to choose to eat but that's how we've associated it with an instant gratification feel better fix um so I would advise people to to try and avoid doing that because if you have like a massive bar of galaxy chocolate for example um you know that that problem that you even if you're not looking at it from the food directly affecting mental health you know if you're a woman i'm pretty pretty convinced that most women will consume that bar of chocolate and then go oh man i shouldn't have done that <laughs> <laughs> you know and then we, then people start thinking oh god you know minute on the lips forever on the hips or whatever it is you know so so it it doesn't help the mental health state if you do if you do do that, it's not it's not completely detrimental, but but if you can avoid if you're feeling like that, if you can avoid doing that and and maybe have a different choice or make something in yourself in preparation. So like I have in my in my fridge constantly some bars that I make myself. So if I do feel like I need a chocolate fix or a sweet fix, I've got something that I've made myself. I know what the ingredients are. You know, I'll put pumpkin seeds in there and, and, and you know, put some for the zinc and I'll, I'll make it so that it is going to try and lift my mood. But obviously, it, I have to make that choice to eat that. And you have to be prepared in advance as well. That's the other thing. And what's what's this name of, the, of your book? So I'll give you a little plug. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's aptly named "Feed Your Mind," so because <laughs> you you know that was me being clever. Feed your mind. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it was a it was an idea to to give people a bit of control when when I was feeling at my lowest, I felt like everybody was doing things to me. 
you know it wasn't there wasn't any control for me and that was the the whole thing when I took you know took back that control suddenly I started to have more positivity um and I definitely think that that having that element of control helped me get through the breast cancer because it was like a, a almost like a military operation it was like and I was talking to somebody who's just being diagnosed with breast cancer a lovely lady and I was talking to her the other day you know and I said it was almost like I was planning a, a training plan and a and a and a a nutrition plan for a goal so if you were you know and the goal was the operation and I wanted to be as fit as I could be for a seven and a half hour op but it also gave me focus so instead of me thinking about the you know the fact that I got cancer I was thinking about right what can I effectively do in a positive way to help me get through that op to help me recover as best I can to give me the best fighting chance I can possibly give myself and if that meant that I was doing a training plan and if that meant that I was, you know, planning my meals for my three weeks post-op recovery and for my run up to having my operation, that, that was giving me control. It, it made me feel like I had some empowered empowerment and I was, I was controlling the cancer and not the cancer controlling me. And I think it's the same if you can give, you know, if you have something you're struggling with, if you can feel like you have an element of of effect on it you know by whatever actions you're taking be it doing some exercise or being it changing some you know your food that you're consuming it that is a positive in itself and that and that ultimately you know can 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 have a positive effect okay so uh, i think we'll wrap it up there emma but before <laughs> i let you go if you can kind of summarize this entire podcast into one sentence what would what would it be <laughs> um summarize um i yeah i don't know really <laughs> how would you do it quick <laughs> um summarize the whole podcast we talked about a lot of things well I something think, something think that individual can take home <laughs> Superhero statuses can be effective uh, in helping influence the the normal man or, or woman to have a, um, a a better quality of life. There you go. <laughs> Cheers! For that was the question I was talking to you about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's not that's not nice. <laughs> So thanks again for coming on the show. No problem. Thank you. And for everybody else, this podcast will be aired every Thursday. So until next week.